This is Continuum Drag, a weekly podcast for visiting television, sci-fi, fantasy, and everything in between. This week, Invasion America, episode 13. If we were scared, nobody showed it. The truth was, we knew almost nothing about our target or what we were up against. But one thing was sure, we had become a team. Welcome to Continuum Drag. The podcast that could be recording its shortest episode ever right now. <laughs> I'm Luke, here with my co-host Jordan. What's real, Jordan? If there's one thing we've proven over the last hundred and so episodes, we can talk for a while over nothing. I mean, that is, I think, probably the bigger fact that might happen. But I was thinking about it, we've done a couple half-hour shows before, standalone ones even, like America 2100 or The Final Quark. Mm-hmm. But I think even those had a longer runtime than the episodes of this show like they were running under 20 minutes these are really really short and this last episode it went by in like two minutes it's just blink and it's gone yeah um well before we get into it jordan let's talk about some other stuff here we've we've skipped a bunch of episodes Mm -hmm. of this of this show i don't know if you looked into the episodes i hope you haven't no i haven't i thought this week maybe i would watch them all and then be really prepared. And I thought, nah, what's the point? I'll go in blind and watch the last one. Well, that's great. Because I wanna, I'm want to. i going to give you the titles of the episodes we didn't watch. Okay. And I'm going to see if you can guess what happened in those episodes. Okay. Um, capture. I think probably David, for about two minutes in an episode, is captured by one of the many plans of the Dragget. But he gets out unscathed and it has no bearing on anything else. What about you? Well, I know the answer to these questions. What was it, really? Uh, you're pretty much on the nose. Uh, David is caught by those twins. Always caught by the... Oh, yeah, the twins. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, all right. The trip. <laughs> this is a standalone episode, so it's weird for the show. It's like a bottle. Yeah, yeah. For a show that's so serialized, it was an odd choice. But David goes back to the desert, and him and Doc take a road trip. <laughs> that's it. I'm sorry, that's not correct. Yeah, David has a hallucination via hypnosis. <laughs> oh, so it's a it's a hallucinogenic trip. It is, although without drugs, apparently. It was an episode where there uh, he took peyote. I am sorry we didn't watch it, but I'm sure it sucked. <laughs> what was that show we watched uh, where they had like a like an almost ten minute psychedelic thing? Oh, it was that other world? <laughs> other world, yeah, yeah. Next up, allies. Maybe this is the episode where he meets um the what do they call Ashadi? Oshadi? I'm afraid not. Finally, I don't know how this takes so long, he finally teams up with Stark. (laughs) Oh, that's right. Well, we're going to see that this episode. Oh, so what we learned is when we actually finished watching the episodes, they had uh, laser guns at each other. So clearly they were able to work out their differences. I mean, I assume maybe he was just caught by those twins in between. I don't know. I can't (laughs) believe it took that long for them to ally. Uh, Next up, Charade. This is another weird uh, bottle episode where they just play charades all night. Some team building exercises? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, to learn a little bit about each other. Uh, not quite. Uh, they go to Camp David to meet the president. And did you see, by the way, I'm going to cut you off real quick. There were some semi-famous people who did voices in this show. And the president's played by Robert Urich. I know. It's pretty crazy, actually. I know. Uh, next up, I'm. I, you know what, Jordan? I'm going to take that back. I don't even know who that is. I was just trying to get us off the topic. <laughs> You don't know who Robert Urich is? I do not. He's an actor. 
I was really just going to like brush over and move on, but I realized that's a lie. I don't know who that is. <laughs> Let me, one other thing. Ronnie Cox played Doc. Oh, I did see that actually. And I do know who that is. Yeah. Anyway. Next episode, Rendezvous. <laughs> this is actually what I would call the sexiest of the episodes. David loses his virginity in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in actual fact, uh, David's friend Jim joins the team. Same episode. The, oh, okay, so you so that you you're saying that's what happened. That's what happened. <laughs> and then uh, the final, the penultimate episode of Invasion America, countdown. It's actually not what you think it is. Countdown is a man that has come over from Eastern Europe, <laughs> and he just helps them stop one of the many plans of the dragon. He's a vampire. Is that what you're saying? He's a count. Well, count he's just Dracula? a count. Not all counts have to be a, a vampire. At some point, he gets like shot by one of the uh, one of the Russians, and they yell, "Count down!" Nice. See, look, we could write one of these things. True. Uh, in fact, I believe that episode apparently was about truly just a countdown to that shuttle we see in this episode launching. Oh man, what a boring episode that must have been. <laughs> All right, let's move on past that. We've got one fun little segment for mm-hmm. you, listener. Before we wrap this up, we are going to recast Invasion America as a big animated feature film. You know what I didn't think of? We should have picked the studio who was going to make it, but oh, we did we can still do that. Who do you think is making this? Nelvana. <laughs> <laughs> this is Nelvana's big foray. They're going to go up against the big dogs. Yeah, Pixar, yeah. Disney, DreamWorks. Nelvana's coming or, to the table. Or alternately... Hanna-Barbera. Oh, that's pretty good, too. Yeah. Both of them coming back from the dead for this. Yeah. I assume they're dead anyway. Well, I, I don't think they're major players as they once were. All right. Uh, let's, let's cast this up. So these are all voice actors this time around. Um, Luke, let I... me stop you here. My list is possibly, and I'll have to check the paperwork on this, the greatest list and compilation of voice actors in the history of cinema. <laughs> That's how good mine is. Well, this may be a problem against mine because I actually just tried to figure out who's done voice acting in the last kind of couple of years and I just picked from that. <laughs> well, and, and here's one rule I think we should make. If one of us hasn't picked a name for the other one, that person, whoever we choose, is, there's no debate. It has to be that other person. You know what I mean? <laughs> okay, deal. Okay. So first up, David Carter. Okay. This is the only one I'm not that excited about because I did a lot of searching around. I was like Googling like, like hottest teen stars of the of the time and they all just look like like douchebags i don't know who any of these people are but um i did pick one actor who's a little bit older than i than david carter is but i think that's how usually those things go uh and he's that irish uh, actor a young guy named barry and i don't want to pronounce his last name kogan kogan barry uh i want to say keegan but keegan? Uh, you know who he I'm is not though, right? sure. i know who you're talking about yeah what, what's he been in recently i don't know he was in that <laughs> kill he was in that killing of the sacred deer Okay, great, great, great. Just for the listener. Just oh, yeah. Situate them. <laughs> I just couldn't remember, like, recently. That's one that pops into my head. Great. I went with, I was trying to, I'm like, I'm like who's done a good animated kid recently who's like, who can bring that heat from that other animated film? I went with How to Train Your Dragons, Jay Baruchel. Oh, okay. Yeah, all right. He plays, he plays a teenager in that, and that's a hot franchise. Well, I'll tell you what. This is the one I'm the least confident in, so whatever you think, I'm happy to go with. 
Let's get fellow Canadian Jay Baruchel another role. Done. He's uh, he's starring in this masterpiece. And then uh, I went next with the villain, the Dragut. Mm-hmm. Um, and my pick was, I was like, who, who's a good villain voice who's done some voices recently? And I was looking at recent animated films. So I came across Abominable and realized that, oh, old Eddie Izzard would be a great dragon. <laughs> that's a pretty good, that's a pretty good pick. But I think I have you beat. And okay. I've gone in now a very different direction because my thought was, you're finally going to see the dragon. You don't even know what he looks like, what he sounds like, and what comes out of his mouth is the voice of Gilbert Gottfried. <laughs> <laughs> as soon as you started talking, I knew this is where it was going to end up. <laughs> <laughs> what is so like? I mean, it's different, I know, but you know what's funny? I actually don't think Eddie Izzard and Gilbert Gottfried like those are like if those are in the same casting room. <laughs> You're probably right. What do you I'm think? I'm happy. I'm happy to go with Gilbert Godfrey. He's a little Let's more. Let's do of a, it. He's a little more of a comic villain now. <laughs> yeah. No. No. He's not. He's still really serious. <laughs> All right. Next up on my list, Major Stark, one of our few, our few humans. Uh, well, you give me yours. You want to hear mine first? Mm-hmm. This isn't the most inspired one. I just kind of fell back on what was the clearest and most logical choice. Uh, Samuel L. Jackson. <laughs> That's pretty good. Now, you're, you're going to see <laughs> the direction I keep taking this. My pick of Harvey Firestein. <laughs> well, we can't have an all-comedy voice. <laughs> Guess what? <laughs> all right, Jordan. You can, I'll let you choose. No, no, no. Let's go Samuel L. Jackson. We need some star power. No offense to Harvey. It's really just for my amusement. He could have been your dragon, too. He could have been dragon, too. A lot of these could have been. All right, next up. David's mentor, Rafe, slash sheriff, I guess. Also, similar to your pick for the Dragget, is uh, I have someone who's been in a show we've seen before, and my pick is Tim Curry. Oh, that's a very good choice. I was digging around through some people, and I saw there was an animated film in the last couple of years for Batman Hush. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the names on that list who struck me as an interesting Rafe was Jerry O'Connell. Hmm. But you know what? I think Tim Curry is the way to go. All right, let's go Tim Curry. I can't get enough Tim Curry. I was just seeing him in the news this week, and I'm like, God bless Tim Curry. Yeah. Is he, he's, he's doing some, uh, it's because he's doing something, right? He was doing uh, some sort of fundraiser for this right, uh, right. election at the time that we recorded this should have passed by this right, point. Right, right, right. Uh, next up, David's mother, Rita Carter. <laughs> I picked Annie Potts. <laughs> Annie Potts, eh? Is she, is she still alive? Yeah, Annie Potts is still alive. Yeah, I don't know. She's like she's like fifty. <laughs> is she only fifty? I think so. I imagine her being seventy-five. Yeah, I don't think so. But anyways, again, just I thought an interesting voice. <laughs> I uh, I decided we'd steal some uh, some star power from the animated feature film The Lion King, the most recent one. Oh, who who is that? Not not the one where uh, Cass from. Uh, uh, Star Trek Voyager was in it. I did not realize that was true. Yeah, she was the she was the voice of the the female lion. Well, I also went with the voice of the female lion, but it is Beyonce Carter Knowles. I think we probably go with that because of again we, we need some star power for this movie. Plus, she gets us a theme song. She'll do a cool invasion That's right. America That's song. right. She's contractually obligated to sing. And now uh, off of the mother, let's go to the father, Kale Osha. Kale, Kale. Who did I have? <laughs> I have Joe Pesci. Joe Pesci, eh? Something different. You, you just wanted a comedy version of this. I just, I want every single person, we've talked about this before uh, off the air, 
but like in terms of like having a movie i'd love to see a movie where it's just character actors and this is the equivalent for me on this animated it's just people with interesting voices that <laughs> that's all it is it's just like that's different like every voice is distracting i thought why mess with gold jordan let's bring back lorenzo wanless <laughs> really he's the he's the voice of the dad in the show i'm good to go with that if you want it's something for the the real hardcore fans and i mean what's he up to he's got to be available i think he's available yeah he's probably doing one of those things where you like you can like pay him to call you on his on your birthday a cameo yeah he hasn't done anything terrible recently right i don't think so i don't think so uh and i do you have any more that was all of my cast i was casting oh i have a few more who, who else are we doing this? okay so that means we're sticking in these people that i chose angie romar uh the partner to stark will be played now by jennifer tilly <laughs> oh my god um, I mean, not bad actually i have two generals because i cast both generals that we've oh seen oh my god this. how many people did you cast in i cast everybody so we've got the original general conrad who was played by leonard nimoy will now be played by are you ready mm-hmm. william shatner well <laughs> and in a smaller part general gordon who replaces him will be played by bobcat goldweight <laughs> oh my god <laughs> and there's two more roles here i have oh no sorry there's a, a couple more roles Jeez. i have doc is making a quick cameo he's played by sam elliott all right major lomac is played by jeff goldblum who is that i don't remember <laughs> doesn't matter <laughs> and finally um the character of simon who i believe is david carter's best friend possibly lover will be played by seth rogan seth rogan i thought his name was jim maybe it's jim but he's played by seth rogan <laughs> okay okay uh, listener i am not recapping all these names for you later and oh, do we have to pick a director for this yes that is the final piece of it who is directing this uh, animated film? I went with someone who's never directed an animated film, but I think <laughs> I think is the the person for this, which is Justin Lin. You think uh, sort of action choreographer director Justin Lin? Yes. If I'm not Should... mistaken, that is the correct Justin Lin, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Fast and Furious guy. Uh, oh is, no, no, no! Is that Justin Lin? Then isn't he the Saw director? I thought he just did Fast and Furious. I'll be honest; I didn't really look into it that deep. I'm trying to remember because. There are two directors who I get confused, which is probably not great on me, but one directed Saw and one of them came up as the director of like um, Justin, like that Justin Bieber doc. Oh, I don't know. You're more of a Bieb head than me. Nope, I'm wrong on uh, both counts. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently I'm bad at directors. Uh, no, you're right. He, he, is, uh, he, he did Tokyo Drift, but he had done a movie called uh, Better Luck Tomorrow, which I have seen is actually quite good. It's a crime <laughs> drama. That was his kind of indie start right i know he came from some sort of weird indie background but yes he did all the he did all the fast and star trek beyond there you go interesting choice i went with animation director yeah i mean probably makes more sense uh i went with brad bird of iron giant right ratatouille and the incredibles right well hey if we can get him he's available after tomorrowland he's available he's available so let's do that and and you said you really wanted to recap these 45 roles right no, uh, listener, I'm afraid you're going to have to go back and listen to this one yourself. They don't have to. They're going to, when this movie comes out, they'll be first in line. Uh, there you go. Uh, I'm sure everyone's dying for this movie. The movie <laughs> that the people have been screaming for. Yeah, screaming for Invasion America. Well, and, and on that note, shall we finish our time with this show? Sure. I mean, you got to admit, though, it'd be easy to make in quarantine. Everyone can just do it from home. That's true. All right, let's, let's get to it. Here is the IMDb summary for episode 13 dark side david carter and his friends 
head to the Tyrusian base on the dark side of Earth's moon to put a stop to the meteor attacks. Yeah. So, Jordan, this episode picks up with the Dragot. He, uh... Have we seen him on screen before? I felt no, like we had. I don't think we have. Because when I saw him, I was like, how is he so old and jowly? How have I not noticed this before? And, and do you notice he has really tiny, sharp teeth? Yeah, I... I thought for sure I had seen him before, but I had never I don't think seen we did. someone looking like this before. You know what he looks a little bit like? Remember in the, the, the new Star Wars movies? Was that guy's name Snape? Whatever. The, the, he was the bad guy for a bit. In the yeah. Film. He, he looks like oddly shaped his head. Yeah, and I thought he almost looked a little bit like the original Emperor in the Star Wars movies too. Like he kind of has a real saggy face. Yeah. Anyways, he's not like winning any beauty contests. <laughs> Certainly not. He, his invasion fleet is uh, around Jupiter... And he, it's two hours away from Earth at tachyon speeds, as we know. <laughs> it, but, but let me mention something real quick. The episode we left, which was episode, what, six? Mm-hmm. Am I right? Yes. This is the same attack. It's meteors again. Well, uh, this is what I'm going to tell you is what we hear from him is they're at the end of, or phase two is almost complete. And as we know, phase two was the preparation of his plan B, which they said in the last episode we watched, which is six episodes or so before this, would take six months to complete. So they are six months in the future. Um, they are just starting phase three, and phase three is to smash Washington, D.C. with a meteorite flung from the moon. So in the episodes between where we stopped watching, I believe that was episode six, and episode 13, they have been flinging asteroids at Earth for six straight episodes. Yeah. Do you think they've been flinging, or do you think they just stopped, and now they've, they went back to, I don't know, paperwork? Well, when we left, we weren't sure if they had destroyed that moon base, but apparently they had not. There was a scene where someone attacked it, they were killed, we thought maybe they destroyed it, apparently not. But what we did know about the moon base at that point is that, that they had been just throwing meteorites to focus in their targeting system so they could hit actual infrastructure. Mm-hmm. So you may be right, maybe in six episodes they have done nothing. Six months has passed, No more. they've, tar- they've got their targeting system working. And they're just waiting for phase two to be complete before they throw an asteroid at DC. I have a couple points. The first being, I know this is uh, an American show and it's an American-centric show. So thus, the major place to hit would be Washington, DC. But if they have such specific targeting abilities and they've been practicing said targeting abilities for months and months, and they think hitting a capital is the most important thing, why not hit all the capitals? Why not cause immense chaos across the planet and then my second point and you can answer these in whatever order you'd like we do see uh, more shots of this uh um, base on the moon and at one point we see the president and he's like like my god look how look at what it looks like and i was like it doesn't look that impressive it looks like (laughs) it looks like one little bubble with like a couple little like roads attached to it i was like that's not that impressive he acted as if like there was a whole gigantic uh, metropolis up there he thought he'd seen the, uh, what, what were they called? The Inhumans uh, exactly on the moon. Exactly. Anyways, j- d- any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I think it is just uh, part of the show. The dragon is myopically focused on America for some reason, which when you think about it as a global invasion, just gets funnier and funnier. Like just how much of this is like focused on just like one small part of the world. I'm assuming as they've been practicing throwing meteors towards earth they've only been hitting the united states correct correct it's so bizarre and even now in this final episode what we've come to learn is obviously in some in some small way earth earth or in fact just america is mounting a counterattack. they don't seem to have engaged with any other country like america hasn't like told anyone or asked for any help still but i should point out 
This might all be a very uh, stupid comment for me to make because the show is called Invasion America, not Invasion World. You know what? Maybe the dragon just intended to invade America, and so the rest of the world would be fine. We just have like there'd just be like the dragon would just run the U.S. and everyone else would just go about their business. I mean, I'm sure everyone could just survive. <laughs> Anyway, that's what's kind of been happening, I guess, over this episode. Six months has passed. We're entering phase three, smash Washington with a meteorite, and then start the invasion. Can you believe there was six episodes of just entire stalling and time wasting? Can you believe each episode was a month of time? <laughs> that's true. Wow. Uh, David, meanwhile, apparently has been putting together a team. He's gotten his hands on some sort of futuristic NASA shuttle called the Intrepid mm -hmm. and has headed toward the moon and who, who's on his team of people who he's gathered to to fight this moon base? All right, you got David. He's leading the team. Yeah. It looks like, uh, as we were talking about, after they played charades, he's now friends with both Stark and Romar. Mm -hmm. And then, which was no big surprise to us, Doc is back. He's decided he is a hero. So he's there. What and happened then, to Blue? <laughs> I think he's dead. Okay. He died, from, he died from his injuries. And then I think the last person to the team is... It's his friend, who I thought was named Simon, but maybe his name is Jimmy or something? I'm not sure either. I have, him, I have him written down as David's dumb friend, Jim. Yeah, but like, here's the weird thing about him. He's not really part of the team. He's a, he's a token at best. It is so strange to see him here. He is, he, is, he is so dumb that at some point they phone the president to like talk about them about to like attack, like go down to the moon base. And they tell the president, oh, but we're leaving this kid Jim here to talk to you on the space station. And the president literally rolls his eyes. <laughs> He's clearly there's been an interaction before that we've missed. I think it was just Jim's opened his mouth and the president was like, oh, my God, how's this kid so dumb? But but my point was all of them get cool spacesuits and get to go do stuff. He just hangs out on the ship like yeah, they, they leave solitaire. him behind immediately. I'm like, why did you bring? It's just like, yeah, it's a weird thing where I don't know. It's his friend. So he's there, but he's not doing anything. What I liked is as they pull up to the moon with this ship, which both Stark and David are the pilots of, which I'm just like, neither of you are qualified to pilot the ship. No, no, I think David's made it very clear in previous episodes that by playing video games, he is very qualified. Oh, so you're thinking uh, Major Stark's also a big gamer. Yes, yes, he is. They probably played Call of Duty on Earth before, during that <laughs> countdown episode. I don't know, maybe he let him, oh, I was going to say maybe he let him try on his glove, but as we know, if he had tried on David's glove, it would have crushed his hand. <laughs> uh, and, and as they get to the moon... I, this is a small thing, Jordan, but I was obsessed over this idea. Is they're getting to the mood, and Stark picks up the radio and calls Mission Control and requests a parking orbit. And I was just like, why do you have to ask for permission to park at the moon? And then Mission Control's like, uh, yeah, go for it. And, he, and Stark turns around and goes, and we're parked. <laughs> I was just like, what? Why do you think this is working? I wonder if there was it was some sort of detail someone read about... Uh, landing on the moon or something, some sort of uh, procedure that they go through. They're like, we got to get that in the show. I'm just like, listen, Mission Control let you take off from Earth to go to the moon. I think they're expecting you to park in orbit. <laughs> anyway, they're going to go down, infiltrate this Tyrusian moon base. The plan is to lay some explosive ribbon. Yeah. Which I was excited to see what explosive ribbon was. And I was a little disappointed. It was just a cocking gun. That yeah, that's all like, it is placing basically cocked out on the floor that i guess would explode later but i have to say and i know we haven't got there but the scene later with them cocking the explosive is probably my favorite part of this episode well that's good and once that once they're done that they say we'll set a 15 minute timer and get out yeah would well, you think that's enough time 
It seemed short to me, mm-hmm. but I guess uh, why why hold it to chance? It takes longer to uh, get the self destruct sequence going than that. <laughs> um, it was uh, fun to see. Uh, my favorite part of this episode was to see the president like preparing from the White House. Like he's calling them on the phone. He's having to talk to Jim, who he's not happy about. And there's a great scene because we just keep cutting back to the president, kind of like mm-hmm. watching from Earth. But there's this great scene where he's like he demands he wants eyes on the moon so he can see what's happening. And some NASA officials just like we've re- we've rerouted a Mars probe that we just launched to uh, look down at the moon so you can see. And when the image comes up, the president gets very pissy about the image quality. Yeah, that's right. Well, because yeah, the guy's like, hold on, I can I can make it look better. We we can uh, upgrade the pixels or something like that. Yeah, no, literally that guy who's like, he's like, oh, I'm sorry, Mr. Hold on, let me res it up and adjust the contrast. What's that old thing you always see in the movies? You have to zoom in, right? Yeah, it's like a CSI thing. It's just yeah. like let's just let's just zoom in on it and see what we see. Yeah, uh, very classic scene. And anyway, that's when that's he gets a- all. That's when he gets all. He's like, oh my god, look at the size of it. And I'm like, it's not impressive at all. I mean, it's a side point. The president's barely involved, but I was just obsessed with it. We kept cutting back to him complaining about image quality. That would be good. That's what they should have done. Just he's constantly complaining. Um, but our team, they head down to the moon via little tiny ships. They called luges. Is that what they called them? Yeah, I just, I just thought that was an interesting detail that you would call it a luge. <laughs> uh, great Winter Olympic sport. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, that's my favorite. You got to point your toes. Um, we got to kind of see how the moon base launches meteorites, which I thought odd that we hadn't seen this before. But yeah, they like I was under the impression they were grabbing them from space and flinging them like they were already in space and they're flinging them toward Earth. But what's actually happening is they have like little pneumatic tubes that yeah. they like put a rock into and they just like... I guess using magnets like propel it off the moon toward Earth. Yeah, so it's like that's the thing. They're, those aren't meteors at all. Then no, they're just rocks off the moon. Well, moon rocks, I suppose. They're throwing moon rocks at it, and I mean, I'm not going to get into the technical details of this. I'm not entirely clear how, from the dark side uh, behind the moon, you're hucking them at Earth, unless you're waiting until you like circle. Like, are you waiting until you've circled around? I thought the same thing because what it basically looks like is like a uh, well, like a. a barrel on a gun or like a pea shooter sort of thing it's a long like as you said sort of pneumatic tube that just shoots it out straight but if they're on the other side of the moon it should be more like a slingshot or like a what do you call it, a trebuduct sort of like flinging it over towards earth but that's not what it is i was like guys i can see why your plans don't work i mean i guess maybe that's it because like you know the dark side of the moon does face earth all, you know on a rotation but then you also have to make sure you're facing Earth when America's there because you're only attacking America. It did seem like you really had a very small window where you could smash Earth. I think the idea of pulling meteors out of space and flinging them is a better plan, but I'm no dragon. <laughs> you're no dragon. I'm no Gilbert Gottfried the dragon. Anyway, they, we get to see them land their ships. They're, they 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 approach this base. They have to hide from a Tyrusian guard patrol that's patrolling the moon for- which is also the least exciting scene ever he was like they're like oh there's a patrol they hide and the patrol's like yep no one's there and then they move on i was like there's, there's no point to the scene at all you didn't like the tension where they realize they've left moon tracks in the dust and david yeah. uses the exitar to sweep the moon i know it's like that's his that's what the the glove can do it's like you could have just done that with your hand. It just sweeps, sweeps up the tracks. It's so stupid. But we're coming to the point now where they have, we see their force field type thing. Well, this part was actually kind of interesting. Is like to enter the moon base, you have to enter through a liquid metal door, mm-hmm. which is it's basically like a semi-permeable metal, uh, which is very funny because as they get to a docks, just like, yeah, yeah, you just walk through it, but you just like how it works is you can't go too fast. And 
we we see uh, the what's his name, Major Stark. He just like he walks a little too fast and bounces off the door. But is that a good security thing? You just can't move too fast through it. Like, but that's what was weird. They implied it was security based, and it's not. Like, it's not security based. I thought it was more of interesting from a science fiction idea of just like you can keep out, you can keep your atmosphere in, and like the you don't have to open a door, you don't have to close, you don't have to have an airlock. It's just like if you're moving at a slow enough pace, you can permeate this like metal door, which is an interesting idea, but it has no security feature at all. Right. Like yeah. It would just deflect an asteroid or something. What do you think would happen if you stopped halfway through? I don't know. I guess it'd be fine. You're not moving. I would like to think you get sliced in half. Classic uh, transporter accident. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> anyway, I, I, that, was a, that was like maybe the high point for me of the episode. I'm like, oh, liquid metal door. Tell me more. <laughs> But once they're inside this base, like, I was, it's, like, a baffling, just because the show moves so quickly, it's just baffling. Like, they get inside the base, Major Stark looks up and sees a giant sign over a doorway that's written in alien language. No idea what it says. They don't even subtitle it. And Stark looks up and says, outstanding. And I'm like, do you know how to read that? Maybe he learned in the other episodes. I guess so. But what we're, I guess, to come to learn is, like, they happen to enter the door that's next to the place they need to go because they walk through that place and... Doc points out, they look around this central control room and Doc points out these tubes leading down into the center of the room. And I had to rewind this three times. I don't know if you're even paying attention at this point, but Doc sort of tells him, he's like, those tubes right there, they go down to the laundry mechanism. (laughs) Is that what he said? No, he has a thick accent, some Southern like weird American accent. And what he's saying is the launching mechanism. Oh. I kept hearing him say the laundry mechanism and I kept trying to figure out, I'm like, oh, so they're going to go find clothes to change into but i'm like it's so weird they have such a laundry mechanism but like after i repeated a few times i'm like oh, he's he's has a drawl he's saying launching mechanism i think that was good i i think uh, at this point i was barely paying attention because what's weird is you're right there's a a so almost frenetic pace to it but at the same time there's no real major obstacles for the characters it's just putting pieces in place so they like there's a wall is it hard to get through no they just walk through it they got walk in the room they need to be well it's right there next character moves on it's just like move move get through it get through it get through it but like there's no stakes at all through any well, of that's this basically what happens they start laying this uh, explosive ribbon down yeah and there's a brief moment where someone walks past david this is my and, like, favorite part talking to him in tyrusian like this is the closest to stakes like is david gonna get caught by this man who is ta- or speaking to him in tyrusian and how, a woman. How, it was a woman how does he get through it so she comes up to him and she's like blah 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 like like basically we've walked on you you're clearly laying explosives you're not one of us and what does he do to uh fool her yeah she talks to him for a good minute asking him questions and he just looks up to her and says uh yosh and she's like checks out and she leaves <laughs> <laughs> that's it that was my favorite maybe my favorite thing of this entire show i really liked it too because the version we're watching is like subtitled in like portuguese or something so i don't even know what she was saying in the alien language. no either do i so it's even funnier just knowing she just like talked to him in alien language and he just looked up and said uh, yes so and and for anyone who doesn't remember that just means awesome in their language so no yeah. matter what she said like i'm assuming she's like um who are you what are you doing here you're not uh, allowed to be in this area and what could you possibly be doing and who are you and blah and then he goes awesome and she goes yep <laughs> i assume she came by and she's like oh thank god they sent someone like the grout on this floor was getting real broken down we needed someone to lay some new grout down i'm glad you're here or she's, she's like, how do you feel about sandwiches? And he went, awesome. And she's like, yeah, me too. I, I'm taking lunch orders. Like, the options are like burgers or we can get some pizza up here. What do you think? Yosh? 
I'll put you down for either, I guess. <laughs> anyway, let's get back to this weird show. Uh, the Dragut's arriving now at the moon with his fleet, and uh, he's ordering that uh, a meteor be shot at DC, and this is where things go awry, because they've set their timer to go off in 15 minutes. But it's only going to take nine minutes to throw a meteor at DC. The tension, I'm telling you. So they've got to have a quick change of plans on, on the fly. And uh, what do they come up with, Jordan? I think it's Doc has decided that these sort of uh, propellant pneumatic tubes, instead of disabling them, he's reversed them. That's true. I, I was thinking more of their plan is, is now to stop them is to rush them with guns. Oh, well, that's true. Because we just get a scene where they run up. They're just like, uh-oh, we don't have enough time. What are we going to do? They run in to where the central control room is and just start firing randomly. Don't hit anyone. Major Stark is immediately shot in the chest and they give up. That's right. Sorry. I did jump ahead a little bit. Yeah, Stark's shot and uh, David gives up. and But then he takes his uh, power glove and waves it over him and it also maybe heals him. Yeah, the X-Store apparently can also heal wounds. It can do anything. Sweep. Heal. Chopped tumbleweeds. Chopped oh, yeah. oh, yeah. I threw some tumbleweeds. That was a good one. But anyways, uh, yeah. But then, then, so they're captured. They get put in front of the dragon who's like on hologram. Yeah. He's like, ah, I finally caught you, my nephew. Yay. Um, I'm surprised this wasn't your favorite part of the episode there, Jordan. Because while this is all going on, there has been one Tyrusian dude just chilling out, sniffing at the air. Oh, that's right. That's right. What was he looking for? He smelled humans? Was that what it was? I don't know. There was just one guy with a really great sense of smell. Like, as soon as they start laying the explosive, he's just, like, sniffing the air, like, smell something. Smell something. And he follows his nose, like, Toucan Sam, directly to the detonator device. Mm -hmm. And so he basically takes the detonator off the explosives, so we know it's not going to blow up the station anymore. Brings it up to where the captives are caught, and they're like, you, Stark, disable your detonator. And this is where Stark turns to Romer and says... Hey, Romer, remember that? Remember D.I. Swanson from Fort Bragg? What do you always say when he was slamming those tequila shots? And she looks at him and says, Fire, fire in the hole. Fire in the hole, baby. Yeah. And, like, I guess he changes the detonator to be 10 seconds long now. That detonator had a lot of explosive on its own. I, I was surprised. Mm -hmm. He, like, just throws it into a crowd of Tyrosians. Somehow kills or knocks most of them down. His team's fine, though. They're, like, two feet from that explosion. Totally fine. As you said, Doc reverses the polarity on the launchers. They Does that make sense, by the way? Does that work? It doesn't make any sense. It would only make sense if they were pulling meteorites toward, like, toward yes. Earth. But they're actually just shooting them out like a, like a blow dart or something. So I don't... like Even when we see it in action, the meteor flies out of the base to the end of the tube and then stops at the end of the tube and then just comes back. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. But anyways, it, it doesn't matter because it works. doesn't matter. They, they flee out of this, this Tyrusian base as the meteor is flying back. They, they manage to escape and, you know, the whole base explodes. Huge explosion. They, they've gotten away with it. They've saved Earth from a meteor attack on Washington, D.C. And as they're getting back to their own ship, you know, the Dragon's invasion fleet is still in orbit around the moon. And suddenly all these, uh, what do we call them? Oh, yes, the Oshadi, the rebel ships start mm -hmm. popping out of, uh, out of nowhere. I guess they could cloak or come in at warp or whatever they call it. Was it a tachyon, tachyon speed? And, of course, they start attacking and destroying his fleet. So I guess the invasion is now also defeated because these other guys showed up at random. Like, what were they going to do if they blew up the meteorite? But they I don't know. It, there's so many questions around how this is even going to stop the dragon. 
But these guys show up at random, and you notice one of the ships happens to have a very special name written across it. Yeah, what was the name on it? Rita's Dream. Yeah, Rita's Dream. And so, like, I Just wonder like who's boat. I wonder who's on it. I can't figure it out. Yes, but, uh, you know, David and team get back to their NASA ship. They're celebrating. They can't believe it. David's giving a voiceover saying, it was over. We stopped them again. <laughs> and I was just like, what, again? <laughs> well, I think he's talking about all the other plans. That we missed, you're right. Yeah. Um, and of course, at this point, that a phone call comes in on that old orb. The old orb phone rings. Yeah, and uh, you know what I liked about the orb phone? I always assumed it was um, stationary. But the orbs don't even have to be hooked up to anything because uh, old uh, uh, Jimmy, whatever his name is, he just picks the orb up and brings it over to David. Yeah, it's cellular. Yeah, it's cellular. That's right. Um, and on the orb is, unsurprisingly, David's dad, Kale. He's looking a little worse for the wear. He's missing an eye now. But he's, uh, he's so proud of his son for doing all this work on Earth to stop the invasion. And what David doesn't say is, hey, man, I could have really used your help, you know, all this time. What have you been doing? And it's a good question because his dad just seemed to show up apropos to nothing. But we end here, weirdly. And what does it say on the screen? Yeah, yeah. The super that rolls up here as we see David reunited with his dad blew my mind. <laughs> because a super title, a title is superimposed over the image and it says, end of book one. Yeah. And, and you know what? This, this remind, it remind me a lot of a few shows we've seen where it feels like the whole season was a setup to where the show should have started. I mean, I guess, yeah, I guess what's entailing is, like, the dragon, I guess, isn't dead in the attack. He's got more invasions planned, which is not a surprise. We know. And, he loves invasions. And we're going to get to see Dave and his dad team up. But I was most baffled by the idea that it's not, like, end of Sega 1 or even end of chapter 1. It's end of book 1. So this yeah. is... These are the books of Invasion America we're watching? I think it's to give it some weight. I think that's what they were hoping for. Like, this is a tome. Right. Even tome one would have been better. Than, book one just seems so weird. I have a more important question. Do you think in... Uh, what are they, What are this, this, this species called? The aliens? Tyrusians? The Tyrusians. Do you think losing an eyeball is perhaps the most embarrassing, culturally uh, significant thing to have lost because you can't do that eyeball trick anymore? Yeah, I mean, I felt like we were going to hear something about, like, he lost the eye in a torture session because losing your eye, you can't do that weird eye expanding yeah. pupil trick. But he has another eye, so it's not like it's completely gone. But maybe you need two. You need maybe two you to need wait two. You're right. Yeah. I also was just like, I also underlined that. I'm like, that's probably means something. If only we got to book two to find out. <laughs> but there won't be a book two. That's it. This is all, all you get. All right, Jordan. Do you have any, any final notes before we get into rating all of this? I don't think so. I think we can go right into them. I actually do want to bring up one thing. Um, it's not, like, vitally important to anything for sure. But this is a series... I'm mean, not going to say it's going to make it a lot better, but it's a series crying out for a fan edit. Like, someone could chop this in to probably something more cohesive and quicker and maybe even a, more entertaining. Because so little happens, but it did feel like there's probably, like, a 50-minute version of this that is, like, okay. I think you're right. I think... There's probably enough there, and there's enough superfluous information and scenes that you could just cut out entirely, and this could be a probably pretty tight, what do you think, hour special, like a 45-minute thing? Yeah, an hour special. I mean, you know, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you could cut it into 80 minutes, and it's almost a feature. 15 but minutes? Cut it into 15 minutes? I was really... I, one thing I was surprised, and maybe I, maybe I just didn't look hard enough for it, is like, this feels like the kind of thing, because there does seem to be enough people who enjoyed it when it was on, 
I'm just surprised nobody's done a, a fan edit of it. I actually think this would even cut better than a shorter Langoliers version. I think you could cut like something that people would be find fun and exciting. Even just editing down the incredibly long action sequences that for all intents and purposes, it seems like the people making this show really think viewership hinges on. And if you just cut those down, it would it would speed things up. And again, it's so crazy to say that for 20-minute episodes because they're really fast. But when you put it all together, just very little happens. Like, you could have watched the first episode, maybe the first two episodes in this last episode, and pretty much got the whole show what's happening. Well, I, I was impressed because we skipped six episodes of a serialized show, and it felt like I was, like, other than the fact he'd put the team together was on that spaceship, it felt more like I missed an episode I agree. than six. Like, the moon base was still in play, meteor attacks were still in play, the Dragon's invasion plan hadn't changed. The only, the only difference was that he had finally managed to, like, get his team together and get to the moon, which, I, like, I was like, what happened in those other six episodes? We missed that whole episode where he is uh, just sitting in the caravan with Doc convincing him to put on that spacesuit. <laughs> Doc, you got to put it on. I don't know if I want to. He's like, only if Blue puts one on, and then David uses his extra glove and just kills Blue. We missed that scene. He's just like, he's like you're next, old man. Yeah, and he's like, oh, I'll put it on. I was like, wow, David's a badass. All right, Jordan, let's write this. What do you want to give the final episode of Dark, of uh, Invasion of America, Dark Side? Well, I'm going to give it in a, a rating based on just it in itself and maybe uh, colored by the previous episodes. But this is not a good ending. It doesn't actually have an ending. Uh, an ending. There's no stakes. There's no sense of tension. Uh, there was no character development. Uh, I don't think it was interesting at all. I'm giving it a 2 out of 10. 2 out of 10. Sorry, Invasion of America. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, that's the thing. It wasn't an ending. No, it's like we went all this way for nothing. Like, it it just felt like another episode, and there's still more to do. And obviously, that's the case. There's more books to come. Yeah, I mean, I liked Liquid Wall. (laughs) That's one point. I like... Yosh? I didn't care for that that much. I liked (laughs) the one Tyrusian who had a smelling superpower. He's, he was very similar to my dad. My dad, for some reason, walks in rooms smelling stuff all the time. I'm like, what are you smelling? Anyways. For a second, I thought maybe it meant that all Tyrusians had this power. And then I realized, I'm like, well, no one else can smell it. So it's just this one just dude. Just this one who, guy. That's why they keep him smell. around. He's great for it. Yeah. Too bad he died. Um, so I guess I'll go in with a two as well. I can't really think of more. Oh, I'll give it 2.5 because I liked it when uh, that man had to say, I'll, I'll up-res it for you and turn on the contrast. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good. Anyway, so 2 and 2.5. What's our final score on this? Do we know? It's it's like 3-something maybe. Three, yeah, like well, let, me, let me punch it in. We'll find out the final series average okay. for us on, continue, on, on uh, Invasion America. Let's punch it into the old continue and drag computer, Jordan. All right, Jordan, our final score for Invasion America, 3.92. Yeah, not good. To be fair, though, that's what it is. There's a, uh, something maybe interesting here, and I think we've said it before. The show doesn't necessarily look bad, and there's some interesting concepts, but it just it never got past the very generalized, obvious tropes that they began with it's just like you knew what the story was going to be from the beginning there was no surprises no development and nothing really interesting at all and at the end you're like they didn't even finish the boring story they were telling it's i think you hit it on the head it's a show that doesn't even have enough there for you to like dislike or hate it yeah like it's hard to feel 
anything toward it, which is such a weird feeling. It's just like, I feel nothing toward this. I'm trying to think of another one we've had that reaction. But you're just like, do you hate it? I'm like, no, it just kind of exists. It's just there. It's like a picture on the wall that you never really noticed is there before. Yeah, it's like barely exists. It just yeah. was. And that's why. And it was gone. And that's all you can say about it. Yeah. <laughs> Invasion America barely exists. Safe to say, probably not recommending this to anyone, right? No, but you make an interesting point, though. If there was some, uh, I'm going to say, talented slash really sad person who was going to edit this you might have something that would be worth checking out i'll be honest even then it still doesn't get past the science fiction tropes that you've seen a million times i think it just makes more a more enjoyable experience but it's never going to be great yeah if someone needs a real pandemic hobby for the next like few weeks <laughs> i don't know you could do worse than cutting this together and then putting it on the internet i suppose um, but that's it. That wraps it up for Invasion America, Jordan. Mm -hmm. uh, on Instagram and Twitter, we'll have some clips from this final episode. Uh, thankfully, I think this final episode actually has some of the more enjoyable clips because at least it's the most weird and action-packed in some ways. Mm -hmm. uh, and then, of course, at Gmail. Uh, what's our Gmail? Why did I say it that Continuum way? ContinuumDrag at gmail.com. Yeah, that's, that's it. On our email, you can email us to say anything you like about <laughs> Invasion America. I don't know. Why do I keep plugging the email? I have no idea. Someone's going to write in and they're going to say, don't crap all over Invasion America. I'll have you know my father was an animator and he died putting out this cartoon. You know? And I'll be like, hmm, that was a bad would, way to go. I would say there's probably an age range where this might have hit you at the right time where it like, has a nice memory for you. Yeah. I just, you know, doesn't stand up anymore. I agree, yeah. Um, but that, 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 that's it. That wraps it up. Um, listener, thank you so much for joining us on our journey into Invasion America. And Jordan, I'll see you next week for something new. Yeah, and one last time. Yosh. <laughs> Continuum Drag is recorded in Toronto, Ontario. Theme music by James Rex Seedler. Produced by Jordan Dulloch and Luke Black. Special thanks to Aaron Hughes.